Hello and welcome to Karen's Medical Corner. I'm Karen O'Day. I'm a certified family nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I own Evercare Family Practice and my specialty is in family health care, women's health, aesthetics, and hormone replacement therapy. I appreciate you joining our podcast. Today I would like to continue our women's health series and discuss perimenopause, menopause, and treatment options. I'm particularly going to focus today on the treatment option of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, specifically BioT uh, hormone pelleting, but we will discuss the other types of hormone replacement as well. So first I'd like to give a little bit of a definition on what is perimenopause and menopause. So perimenopause is the period of time leading up to a woman going through menopause and stopping her periods completely. So perimenopause usually starts around the age of 40 to 44, although it varies completely individual to individual. Some people will go through perimenopause or start to have symptoms much later and some much earlier. However, the average age is 40 to 44. And during that time, that's usually when the periods start to become irregular, either shorter uh, in duration or longer in duration, shorter in the amount of time between the menstrual cycle or longer in periods of time. Sometimes women will start to develop sleep problems during that time, decreases in libido, change in their cholesterol, specifically meaning that the cholesterol will start to elevate, changes in their energy level, and changes in their overall activity pattern. It's during this period of time that some women will start to develop hot flashes and night sweats as well. And that can last for anywhere from a few months up to 10 years. Now the definition of menopause is when a woman's menstrual cycle stops due to lack of production of hormones and they do not have a menstrual cycle for 12 months. So a woman is not considered to be through menopause or postmenopausal until she has not had a menstrual cycle for 12 months. So there, once she has gone through menopause, a lot of times these symptoms of perimenopause will continue, some will start to improve, some symptoms get worse. So I always ask women when they come in, what are your symptoms of menopause? And a lot of times they'll tell me that they are having hot flashes or they're having night sweats. They may be having problems sleeping, meaning they have an increased uh, problem in falling asleep at night, staying asleep at night, waking frequently, or all three. Changes in mood is also really common. Women tend to become increased, increasingly irritable. Sometimes they'll start to develop depression or increase in anxiety. They may start to develop increase in headaches or migraine headaches that they really haven't had in the past. They may have hair loss or changes in the texture of the hair, as well as changes in the texture of the skin. Sometimes women may feel cold all the time, or they may even feel uh, increase in heat production, and especially uh, in their feet and in their hands. A lot of women will experience what they consider to be an unnatural weight gain, where they're following a specific dietary regimen or they have not changed their exercise habits, but they are starting to gain more weight. And you'll notice a lot of times when a woman goes through menopause that their skin has a difference in its texture and increase in wrinkles once she's been a year without a menstrual cycle. 
And that a lot of the time is due to decrease in estrogen levels. Other symptoms that women have include increase in feeling exhausted or fatigue, not being able to do the activities that they used to do without any difficulties. And of course, common symptoms include vaginal dryness, increase in bladder infections, urinary frequency, urinary urgency, urinary incontinence, and also decrease in ability uh, to have an orgasm, decrease in sexual desire as well. Other symptoms that women come in with are increase in memory changes, so kind of an increase in memory fog. They're not able to learn or retain information like they were before. They tend to have increased symptoms of muscle uh, changes, so they're not able to build muscle as much. They notice a, a bit of muscle loss and increase in fat where they didn't have issues before. And sometimes increase in uh, muscle complaints in general, you know, muscle, muscle aching, muscle weakness, joint pain that oftentimes is associated with decrease in hormone levels. So the first thing we do at the office is we take a thorough history. When did they start their menstrual cycle? How long has it been regular or has it always been irregular? When did they start noticing these symptoms? and when they started noticing these symptoms starting to get worse to where they were affecting their activities of daily living. At that point, it's simple to tell what's going on uh, with females in regard to menopause. It's as easy as a simple blood draw. Now there is a little bit of controversy as far as doing a blood draw versus a urine sample versus saliva testing. But for the purposes of what we do in clinic, we know that when we draw someone's blood, we're getting that blood level at a moment in time. But that's the same with almost every single type of test. Nothing is specific 100% going to give us what's going on unless we're doing a 24-hour urine catch on somebody. And, and most of the time, we don't need that to appropriately treat women. So when someone comes into the office, and they need their symptoms treated and they don't want to spend a lot of money because sometimes these tests are not going to be covered by the insurance company, we can do an easy test with a simple blood draw that includes the total testosterone level, the total estradiol level, progesterone level, and follicle stimulating hormone level. And depending on the woman's symptoms and if she's recently seen her primary care provider, We'll also check thyroid levels. That would include a thyroid stimulating hormone, a free T3, a total T3, a free T4, a total T4, and a thyroid peroxidase autoantibody to check for Hashimoto's thyroiditis. We'll also oftentimes check a complete metabolic panel as well as a complete uh, blood count. And so those would be the basic testing. But if a woman has already had those done and she's coming to the office strictly for hormone replacement therapy, then we just do the hormone levels. Depending on what lab we use, we can have the levels back within 24 hours, which is oftentimes nice because a lot of times women don't come to the office until they're actively suffering significant symptoms and they want to start a treatment regimen as soon as possible. So those are the symptoms and the testing options that we can do. Once we do the testing options, we also discuss with the uh, woman her past medical history. Does she have a history of endometriosis, of uterine fibroids, of fibrocystic breast disease, of any types of cancer, uterine cancer, breast cancer, 
What's her family history? And those are all important things to know about before starting anyone on hormone replacement therapy. Also getting what allergies they have to medications or medication sensitivities is also very important. But a past medical history is very important prior to treating somebody for uh, hormone replacement therapy. Has the woman ever had to have a uterine ablation? Has she had recently a uh, an ultrasound of the uterus and if so why has she had an abnormal mammogram in the pap or, or in the past or an abnormal pap and when was the last pap smear it is recommended you know for women who are um, in the perimenopause or menopausal age under the age of 65 if they have normal paps that they should have one every five years and over the age of 40 it's it's uh, up for debate on in certain areas and certain uh, medical uh, groups whether they need a mammogram every year or every two years past the age of 40 but certainly past the age of 50 it's recommended for every year I am very patient uh, oriented as far as pro patient choice so if a woman does not desire to have a mammogram or a pap smear we are not going to require that unless they've had significant abnormalities in the past and then we would discuss that in detail and on alternative testing options obviously so once we have those uh, questions out of the way it's also important to get an idea of what their current medications are because depending on what medications they happen to be on these may be medications that they've been given due to perimenopausal symptoms that actually have nothing to do with uh, what they're being you know treated for what I mean is a lot of women will go in and they'll be having depressive symptoms or they'll be having hot flashes and a provider will put them on an antidepressant when in fact if their hormones were checked and were balanced they might not need these antidepressant medications which also have other significant side effects so if a woman comes in with decreased libido and she's having hot flashes putting her on a medication for an antidepressant may just further reduce her libido and her ability to have an orgasm which kind of defeats the purpose for what she's coming in for so I like to get a clear idea of what medications people are on what their past medical problems have been do they have migraine headaches have they had history of depression anxiety bipolar what are some of their mental health uh, issues that they've had in the past if any and um, what's their cholesterol have they had difficulties with cholesterol if they haven't had their cholesterol checked I usually will add that to the blood panel because we do know that as women age their cholesterol as their hormones drop naturally goes up and we can sometimes help bring that cholesterol down with natural hormone replacement therapy so once the blood is drawn and they come back to the office for uh, evaluation we also take a thorough history on uh, what their past surgeries are have they had a hysterectomy in the past have they had a uterine ablation in the past have they been treated for polycystic ovarian syndrome do they have their ovaries how old were they when they started going through menopause because some women will tell me they started menopause in their 30s and so that kind of gives me an idea of how they need to be treated and so when they come back for follow-up then we start talking about treatment options now I'm not a fan of uh, synthetic hormones I think they're dangerous and I think that there are much better alternatives now we do know that bioidentical hormone pelleting has been around since the 1930s and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy 
in other forms has also been available, but this has not been readily made available to the public due to Big Pharma being able to keep the natural hormone replacement therapies out of the limelight. Obviously, we know that Big Pharma has is a huge industry globally. They are making billions, trillions of dollars selling their products. And all of these products have side effects and detrimental effects. So one of the issues that I run into when women come back to discuss their lab results is that almost 100% of the women that I talk to have been told horror stories about hormone replacement therapy. Well, a lot of this started with the Women's Initiative trial in the late 1980s, which ended in the early 2000s due to complications related to the synthetic hormones. It scared the entire medical field and totally turned off most providers from providing hormone replacement therapy to women. In fact, when this trial stopped due to increased risk of breast cancer, women were yanked off their hormone replacement therapy with no other options and had significant side effects and really had a decrease in their quality of life. But this trial, although flawed with multiple problems, has stayed the mainstay of research therapy for treating women for hormone replacement, which is really a shame because it never made sense, uh, several things. One, it never made sense to me that you're gonna put pregnant horse urine into somebody's body. And two, just treating people with synthetic hormones in general never seemed like a good idea. When we have bioidenticals available, but there never is enough education to women regarding the availability of alternative treatment options. Everybody goes straight for uh, Big Pharma when they're treating, or it seems like it, not everyone, but a lot of people do. And even as a young nurse practitioner and a young nurse midwife, when I was in school, they taught us about treating women with, with these synthetic hormones. And when I was in school, this was when this women's initiative trial was really ramping up. And in fact, my mother was going through menopause at the time. And she was placed on Prempro, which was Premarin and Provera, a combination drug. And man, was it a life changer, not only for her, but for me and my dad as well, because she turned back into her old self. I mean, she had turned into somebody where we were either blasting the refrigerated air or blasting the heat. So either way, my dad and I were either freezing or we were sweating. She was grouchy all the time, crying for no reason. It was just like she had had this horrible change in in her personality when she started to go through menopause. And it was really awful and, and she was really suffering. So when she started taking Prempro, and she was not part of the study, it was just when this trial came out and they started seeing all these benefits for decreased risk of heart disease for women, everybody was placed on Prempro. And so when I was in school, Prempro was the go-to. It's a once-a-day pill. It was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, they stopped the trial due to increased risk of breast cancer and blood clots, and people started being pulled off of that medication very quickly. My mom was not taken off of the medication because she didn't want to come off of the medication, but then she did develop a blood clot, and she was taken off of her hormones and told, you can never take hormones again. And that was really a game changer for her. She went on antidepressants for a while. She was not feeling well. And she didn't think she could ever take hormone replacement therapy once she had that blood clot. Well, as it turns out in my family, and 
myself included, we have a blood clotting disorder called factor V Leiden, where we have a genetic disorder that predisposes us to blood clots. And so for a long time, I also thought I could never take hormone replacement therapy because of my increased risk of blood clotting. And that also scared me as well because I kept thinking this whole time, what's going to happen? Am I going to turn into my mother when I start to go through menopause? Well, then as my career continued, I started learning more about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. I had some of the pharmacies from Albuquerque come and talk to me about the compounding they did for uh, bioidentical creams, bioidentical uh, liquids that go under the tongue, bioidentical trochies that you can dissolve in the mouth. And I thought, man, that that's something that is a good idea, but can I still use those? I don't know. Possibly not. And then I was introduced to bioidentical pellet therapy, which is also uh, plant-derived. So the pellets are little cylinders. I specifically use BioT pellets. I like those pellets because there's a number of different uh, milligram treatment options, so it can be uh, individually formulated for a specific female there's not just three doses there's not just one dose there's hundreds of different ways you can formulate different uh, pelleting uh, dosages for the individual woman and I started learning more about the pellets and then I started looking up which pellets I thought would be the best and that's when I um, actually contacted BioT and said I would like to learn more about your treatment for menopause and perimenopausal women and as well as men we're going to stick to females in this talk and so they came out they were very uh, informative they gave me the information that I needed and that's when I decided that I wanted to become a BioT provider which I currently am and BioT hormone replacement therapy is probably the biggest type of hormone replacement that we do in the office, although I do use other forms of bioidentical hormone replacement depending on what the um, individual would like to try. So I currently get bioidentical hormone replacement therapy with BioT and so does my mother. And we both have a blood clotting disorder, and neither one of us have had a blood clot. And it makes sense to me. It never made sense to me why would my mom get a blood clot postmenopausal from estrogen and progesterone and not have blood clots running through her system the entire time she was in her 20s and 30s when her hormones were the highest. Well, it wasn't the hormones that were causing the problem. It was the synthetics that were causing the problem, causing the issue. And that's what the problem is with the increased risks that we see associated with synthetic hormone replacement. And we do not see those with bioidentical hormones. And when I was a young nurse, it also never made sense to me when they were saying how dangerous bio, how dangerous uh, hormone replacement was because I always thought, well, if that's the case, I'm in my early 20s, how come I don't have breast cancer? How come I'm not having all these healthcare issues and none of it made sense. Well, it's because it's the synthetics, but the big pharma doesn't want you to know that. What they want is for you to use their hormones until you have a problem, and then you're just taken off of hormones for the rest of your life. So bioidentical has been a game changer. It's been a game changer for me, which is why I'm such an advocate for hormone replacement therapy, because it really gave me my life back. I always thought when I was, gonna, when I was going through menopause, 
or prior to when I was perimenopausal and only having a few symptoms, I thought, oh, I'm going to be one of the 10% that just really doesn't have symptoms. I'm going to just breeze through menopause. It's going to be amazing. I'm just a tough cookie and it's not going to bother me. Well, no, that's not at all what happened. The first time you have a hot flash, that feeling of internal spontaneous combustion is absolutely awful. It is the worst sensation that you'll ever feel. And if you get upset about it, it gets worse. And so over time, I was trying to figure out how to make the hot flashes stop. And in fact, one time I was at Village Inn, which is a restaurant in Albuquerque with my family, and I was having this hot flash, and I'd been having hot flashes for a while. And I said to everybody at the table, I said, everybody stop eating, and I want you to just look at me right now. Look at me. And so everybody stops and they're looking at me and Amanda's like, are you okay, mom? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I said, what do you see? And my mom and dad and my son and my daughter they, and my husband, they said, nothing. What's, what's going on? And my daughter says, well, I don't know, mom. I see a little bead of sweat on your head. And I said, I'm having a hot flash and I want to know what patients are seeing when I'm talking to them and I'm having a hot flash. And so because I felt like I was turning beet red, like my entire body was going to explode with heat and to find out that everything looked pretty normal, I was, I thought, okay, well, that's better. At least I can kind of hide the hot flashes. But then the fatigue started setting in and I would literally ride in the back seat of our truck laying down and sleeping on the way to work, on the way home to work because I just didn't have enough energy to do anything other than barely make it through the day. I could sleep 17 hours and I would still probably feel like I needed more sleep. Complete decrease in libido. I was having, starting to feel like I was having vaginal pain just due to dryness and I started to notice that, that my skin was becoming really dry and that overall I just didn't feel good. And I started to become concerned because starting in my mid-30s, I started having trouble with osteopenia, which is bone thinning, and I was having a hard time correcting it with the uh, FDA-approved medications. And so finally I gave in and I, I talked to uh, one of my friends who's a provider, and he said, Karen, why aren't you doing pellets? And I said, well, because I have this blood clotting disorder and I'm a little worried. And he's all, it's not going to be an effect with the pellets because the pellets are not absorbed in such a way that it's going to increase your risk for blood clots. And so I said, okay, pellet me. And oh my gosh, what a game changer. I will tell you right now, I will die with pellets in me. I am never going back to feeling the way I felt before. I started thinking about my grandmother, you know, and she was postmenopausal since I can remember. And she slept four hours at night and she was always grouchy and she never felt good. And she always had these joint aches and pains and these muscle aches and pains. And she just looked and felt like she was old. And I don't want to feel like that. I want to feel healthy. If I'm going to live past 45, I want to feel good for as long as possible. I don't want to be 50, 60 years old and not want to do anything and just feel like crap all the time. And so... After my first pelleting, and I got pelleted really soon after starting symptoms of menopause, but I started feeling like I felt when I was in my 30s. It was amazing. And it was at that point that I really started to become an advocate for hormone replacement because I never really realized how bad women feel. Nobody can describe how awful 
it feels for so many women to go through menopause. And it is true that about 10% of women don't have symptoms when they go through menopause. And I think that's fantastic for them. Unfortunately, the other 90% are suffering. And so if there's something that I can do to help this situation, and it really helped me, then I'm definitely going to do that. So with this simple blood draw, we can determine what somebody needs for hormone replacement therapy. And we can replace that with either bioidentical creams, which are used twice a day. They do have a half-life. So the downfall to using the creams is one, you have to put them on twice a day. So you're getting kind of this roller coaster effect where your levels go up as soon as you put the cream on. Then throughout the day, they go back down. You put the cream on again and they come back up. That's the same with the trochies, which are dissolvable tablets that go in the buccal mucosa. It's the same with the sublingual drops. It's the same with even oral bioidentical uh, pills that you can take because there's a half-life. With the pellets, and the reason I decided to use the pellets, one, was because of my blood clotting disorder, but two, was because there is no half-life. The pellets are absorbed like they should be naturally based on your cardiac output. So when I'm sitting here doing this podcast, I don't have a huge use of my pellets. I mean, my heart is obviously beating because I'm on the right side of the grass, but my heart is not pounding. So I'm not using the hormones very much. When I go upstairs and I work out, then I'm burning my hormones just like I would when I was younger. But when I was younger, I was replenishing my hormones naturally. Well, now I replenish them due to the bioidentical hormones that I'm using. Now, unfortunately, we can't pellet progesterone. We can pellet estradiol and we can pellet testosterone. But they found through research that progesterone just does not absorb very well in the subcutaneous tissue. So what I like to prescribe is either a bioidentical um, uh trochee that people can dissolve in the mouth or a bioidentical progesterone. And there is one that is paid for by the insurance that you can write a prescription for. It's called micronized progesterone. That's personally what I take. And I take that because I have a uterus. So anybody who has a uterus has to take progesterone. You cannot take estradiol by itself. And if you are taking estradiol by itself and you have a uterus, you need to not be doing that. It increases your risk for endometrial cancer. It causes an overgrowth of the endometrial tissue, which can be very dangerous. So anyone who's on what's called unopposed estrogen needs to contact their provider immediately and get on to a natural uh, micronized progesterone. So I take mine uh, around bedtime because progesterone helps you sleep. And I wasn't sleeping at night. I was sleeping four hours at night and I was exhausted. So the testosterone has helped me sleep. And the um, progesterone has also helped me sleep. But the overall changes in life. So everything I've talked about with the memory fog, by balancing my estradiol and my testosterone, that has resolved. I don't have the hard time retaining information that I'm reading that I used to have problems with before. I'm retaining information much easier. My irritability is substantially better, which I'm sure that my family is grateful for, because my estrogen levels and testosterone levels have significantly improved. I don't have hot flashes or night sweats anymore. I don't have any migraine headaches. I mean, occasionally I'll get a tension headache, but that's different. I don't have any vaginal dryness, which is really um, a huge improvement just in overall 
the way I feel. I'm not getting up four or five times at night to urinate. My urinary frequency is gone. My urinary urgency is gone. And patients across the board experience relief in all those symptoms that we talked about. And their relief is much better and sustained for much longer and much more effectively treated with the use of pellets. Now, I will say that a lot of my patients don't want to do pellets. The majority of my patients do. And sometimes, you know, I'll have somebody come in and they'll tell me they're really sensitive to medication and they're afraid to start on pellets. So we'll start something else. My second favorite treatment is to do the trochies because I don't want to give people medication that is bypassing through the liver. I don't want that estradiol being converted into estrone. We know that estrone is not a favorable form of estradiol for hormone replacement therapy. So the creams are probably uh, my second least favorite because my least favorite obviously is synthetics. My second would be the creams, although I do prescribe a lot of creams. If women want to try the bioidentical creams, well, we can put progesterone, testosterone, and estradiol into those creams. And that's, that's very easy. We can put DHEA into those creams. It's an easy form of treatment. We can put into the trochies, progesterone, testosterone, and estradiol. So you have all three in one. But overall, the most effective form that I've found thus far to give the best symptom relief, to really regulate and balance out the hormones has been the BioT um, pellets. And so they are my personal favorite, and I do recommend those quite frequently, but I'm very pro-patient choice. And I always tell people, I am not trying to sell you the pellets. I want you to be on a form of bioidentical hormone therapy that you want to be on. And some women don't want to be on hormone replacement therapy. They want to know what their hormones level hormone levels are, and maybe they're going to try something like dietary changes, which they can try. Sometimes uh, they get some symptom relief, which I think is great. Sometimes they don't. And we go from there. But as far as, you know, telling people, oh, you have to be on this, I am not that type of person. I want people to be on a therapy that they want to be on because it's going to work better for them. I don't ever want anybody to feel pressured that they need to do hormone replacement therapy. But that's usually not the case. I mean, I have women calling because they want hormone replacement therapy. And so we provide, you know, the treatment options what's available to them, and then they decide. And I do have a lot of women who start on creams or they start on trochies, and then they want to try the pellets. So what's the downfall to the pellets? Because they sound like they're great and they work fantastic. Why wouldn't everybody do them? Well, you know, they do have um, a little bit of discomfort because uh, about a four millimeter incision is made. Uh, what's called a trocar, which basically looks like a, a metal syringe is inserted into the subcutaneous fat, the plunger is taken out, the pellets are put in, uh, plunger is put back in, and the pellets are pushed into the tissue. The uh, trocar is taken out, a stereostrip is placed on, and a bandage over that, and they have to do a little bit of, of activity, activity restrictions, not get into water for about three or four days. So there's a little bit of recovery time, not substantial. I tell women don't do a lot of gluteal exercise on that side when we put the pellets in because you don't want the pellets to extrude. There can be some bruising. There can be a little bit of uh, bleeding or oozing. There can be a little bit of discomfort for which people can take uh, Tylenol for. And we go through all this prior to even putting the pellets in. But the one thing I do tell people is that once the pellets are in, you can't take them out. So I guess the biggest downfall is if you give somebody too 
large of a dose, they could have side effects that they don't like, which is why when I put the information into the computer to get the recommended dose for the estradiol and the testosterone, sometimes I'll back that down a little bit because I don't want to give somebody a side effect. Once someone has a side effect, especially on an initial treatment, they don't want to do it anymore. And they don't care if it was because the dose is too high. You know, it's with like that with almost any medication. So a lot of times I'll start lower and we'll move up a little bit slower. So if somebody, say they, I put them into the computer and it says they need 15 milligrams of estradiol. And I feel like, well, hey, that computer doesn't have breasts. It doesn't have nipples. It doesn't, uh, it isn't aware that they can become swollen and tender. And women don't like that. I might decrease the dose to say 10 milligrams or sometimes maybe even 6 milligrams depending on how the patient presents and what she tells me her symptoms are. Same with testosterone. I don't want women to have a side effect to the testosterone which would be increase in oily skin, acne. I don't want them to have hair loss. Uh, I don't want them to grow big dark facial hair and I don't want their voice to become deep. So we don't start people on high doses of testosterone. If I think that the dose is a little bit too high, I might back the dose off a little bit because I can always put in more. You can always put in more hormones with pellets, but you can't take it out. Now, just because you can't take it out, if somebody does have a side effect, a lot of times there are treatment options for those side effects. Like if someone is having breast or nipple tenderness, they can take some evening primrose every night uh, orally, and that decreases that. Or we have testosterone blockers that we can use if we need to. But that's never been an, a, a problem at my clinic because we start out a little low and we move slow. Now, I will say that the computer usually is pretty accurate on what women need. And so a lot of times I don't back the dose down, but everything is individualized to meet that woman's needs because that's what's important. We are not made out of cookie cutters. We're all individual and we need to be treated like individuals. And that's one reason that I don't like using pills because if I were to replace somebody's hormone level, even with bioidentical hormones in the form of pills that are FDA approved, I only have several doses that I can use and then that's it. So I got to pick one of three. Well, maybe that woman needs something that's a little in between. Well, I can't do that with a pill. I can do it with a cream. I can do it with a trochee. I can do it with the pellets. But the pellets to me with the most natural absorption through the subcutaneous fat because they're fat soluble hormones makes the most sense to me. So I always tell women one, you don't have to do anything. Nobody has to do hormone replacement therapy. That's an individual choice. Two, we give them the treatment options. What do, you, do they feel like is going to be the best treatment option for them? And then we do the treatment. And then I always follow up with women. I tell them, you know, everybody gets my home phone number. Everybody knows every way possible to contact me. And to, they can contact me 24-7 if they're having an issue. I don't want people to wait and and get worried and it's you know eight o'clock at night on a weekend well you know what text me and they can text me with their questions or their concerns and they're going to get a text right back and that's how it should be you don't give women hormone replacement therapy and then just say okay bye we'll see you in a month they have to have the ability to contact you but usually i'll do a formal follow-up visit in a month see how they're doing on their hormones, see how they're feeling on their hormones. A lot of women who are on the creams or on the trochees, 
may switch. They may say, okay, let me try the from the cream to the trochee. Or, hey, let me try going from the trochee to the pellets. Usually once women do the pellets, they're, I don't have hardly any women that don't continue the pellets because it is a game changer. And then another question that I get asked, which I forgot to bring up, is, well, how long do you do hormone replacement therapy? That's what they ask me. Well, do I have to do this forever? And I tell them, nope. We only do it as long as you want to feel good. That's why I'm going to die with pellets in me because I like feeling good. And my mom, who's 84 years old, I pellet her on a regular basis. My daughter gets pelleted. And she's not uh, perimenopausal, but she was feeling bad. She was having fatigue and her testosterone level was low. So why not pellet her? You know, what are the contraindications to pelleting somebody? Well, if they've had breast cancer, we don't give women with breast cancer or any active cancer hormone replacement therapy. However, if someone's been treated for breast cancer and they've been breast cancer free for a year, then you can treat them with testosterone with anastrozole. So there are pellets that have testosterone and anastrozole in it. The anastrozole is an aromatase inhibitor, which means that it blocks the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. So we know that testosterone is a huge, uh, low testosterone is a huge women, reason why people start to develop cancers when they're older. So we know that, that there's a huge correlation between testosterone and breast cancer, colon cancer, heart attack, stroke, having increased risk in Alzheimer's disease, having increased risk in osteoporosis. So if we balance our hormones, then we can help diminish the risk of those illnesses because it never, again, it never made sense to me. Why is it that people over the age of 45 start developing all these illnesses? We don't have them when we're younger. You don't normally see people in their 20s walking around with uh, Alzheimer's disease or having heart attacks unless there's a familial predisposition or a congenital problem. But the overall average healthy individual doesn't start having these issues until they're much older. And the key factors with current research that's out seem to be related to the hormone depletion. So our bodies are designed to live to be 45. When we die at 45, it doesn't really matter what our hormone levels are. We haven't even completed, most of us haven't completed menopause. So we, we don't really feel bad, but we're living into our 70s, our 80s, our 90s, our 100s, and our quality of life is just diminishing because our hormone levels are not balanced. So by balancing our hormones, we can improve our quality of life, we can decrease our risk for a lot of these problems, and live longer, healthier, happier, high-quality lives, and that's what I want. And I'm not saying that hormone replacement therapy is for everyone, or for anyone for that matter. It's for people who want it, and it's for people who want to look into it. So talk to your healthcare provider who has knowledge in hormone replacement therapy. It's very rare that most providers have substantial training in hormone replacement therapy. Even physicians don't have a substantial amount of treatment in hormone replacement therapy. We're taught in school, so I've been to nurse practitioner school, I've been to nurse midwifery school, and I've completed the didactic of medical school. And so I know what they teach, and they teach what is what big pharma is dealing out, period. There is not much 
Now in midwifery school, that's not completely true. We did learn about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, but it was a week of, of lecture and it entailed a lot of different things. And so there's, unless you get specialty training, most providers don't know about it. Most providers are scared of it and they don't wanna put themselves or their patients at risk. And I totally understand that. But providers need to look outside the box. If it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense to me that hormones cause cancer or we'd all have cancer in our 20s and 30s, if it doesn't make sense, then look at it from a different perspective. Think outside the box. Get educated on what bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is. Yes, I think synthetics are dangerous and I don't like to use them, but I think bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for the majority of people is very safe. And I do have women in my practice that have had breast cancer that I treat with testosterone replacement therapy with anastrozole in it to block the conversion of est to estradiol. And they're living happy, healthy lives. They feel good. And that's the point, right? Why do you want to go through life feeling bad? I mean, I guess if that's something that works for people, then they should, then that's fine. I am not of that mindset. I want to feel good. I want a healthy life. I want to be hiking and bungee jumping and skydiving when I'm 100 years old and not have my back strapped to something in a wheelchair or be strapped to somebody else. I want to be independent. I want to live as healthy and as long as possible. And that's why I have this huge passion for hormone replacement therapy and thinking outside the box and not just listening to the complete uh, far, big pharma telling people what they need to be doing and listening to trials that are not performed well and we're giving women medication that's not appropriate for women. Women need medication that's natural for them, not some synthetic horse urine that's being put into their systems or a synthetic progesterone. So if you're on hormone replacement therapy, look at what you're taking and see if it looks safe to you. If it's not, talk to somebody. You can look up online for providers for bioidentical hormones and it doesn't even have to be BioT. BioT happens to be what I like, but there are a number of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy options. And look those up and call the providers and make an appointment if it's something that you're interested in and get actual information. Don't be afraid to do something that has not been proven to be dangerous. You know, it's it doesn't make sense to me to put fear into people and have them living lives that are of low quality. My whole perspective is to have happy, healthy patients. And I want them to make the choice on what they do. And so I don't push hormone replacement therapy again on my patients. If they want it, I want to talk to them about it. I think it's a great idea. But if they don't want anything to do with it and they really are afraid of it, well, number one, they're not going to call my office to get hormone replacement therapy. But if they mention it, you know, in the context of I'm treating them for something else and they happen to see it in the office, I will give them information. In fact, anybody at any given time who wants to come by my office who's in Santa Fe, New Mexico or the surrounding area, you can pick up free books on bioidentical hormone replacement. I have them in my office available every day. All you have to do is come in and ask for them. And, and you don't even have to make an appointment. You don't even have to be a patient. You can just come in and say, hey, I heard this podcast and I want to get more information and I'd be glad to share it. And so that's 
the end of this podcast, I'm going to do a podcast on andropause for men, basically men's menopause and low testosterone levels and treatment options, again, through bioidentical hormone replacement, as well as synthetic, because a lot of men are familiar with synthetic. Again, I think it's a more dangerous form of treatment, but we're going to be talking about that um, next week. And just get information. Information is the most important thing because knowledge is power. That was the really big take-home point that I learned in nurse practitioner and nurse midwifery school is that knowledge is power. And that's why it's so important for women to empower ourselves. And how do we do that with knowledge? Throughout anything in our lives, not just hormone replacement therapy, but anything. If it doesn't make sense to you, it probably doesn't make sense. And so look for the answers. Look for what makes sense to you. Don't just believe what anybody's telling you. Don't even believe what I'm telling you. Look it up and, and, and see if it makes sense. Because if it does, then you should be doing it. And if it doesn't, then you shouldn't. And don't believe what you read uh, in the media. Don't believe what you hear on TV if it doesn't make sense to you. If it makes sense to you, then that's fantastic. Then go with it. But if it doesn't, Educate yourself and educate yourself on research that's available. If you want more information on research that you can look up that's out there on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, look up Gary Donovitz, D-O-N-O-V-I-T-Z. He is uh, the founder of BioT, and he is doing a lot of research on hormone replacement and the benefits and seeing if it makes sense. And, and in a lot of areas, it does. He's seeing a huge improvement in osteoporosis in women with testosterone. And they are looking at tens of thousands of women, not just a study with 100 women or 50 women or 25 women. This is thousands of women that are in these studies. And it's important. And he has been a game changer for women. So look him up if you want to see the research. And look up providers that do bioidentical hormone replacement in your area. You can also go to our website at www.evercarefamilypractice.com. You can contact us on our website. You can contact us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, you can contact us by uh, calling our office at 505-780-8301. And I would welcome any questions or comments. And I know that hormone replacement therapy is a heated topic. And I would say that if you have questions or you have comments, I would love to hear them. And uh, I will be glad to answer anything that I can. If I can't answer it, I will find an answer for you. And I am not afraid to tell you, hey, I don't have an answer for that, but I'll get you one. And so, you know, be an informed consumer. See what works well for you. And then live your life happy and healthy and individually, and I encourage everybody, and I wish everybody a healthy, happy life, and in making the health decisions that are best for you, and in living your life with freedom to make your own choices, not only with your health care, but in everything you decide to do in life. And I appreciate you joining us for this podcast today. I want to thank everyone who joins us from New Mexico, Pennsylvania, California, India, throughout the United States. I am just thrilled to be able to provide information on healthcare. It is my passion in life. It is what I live for. It is what I love to do. And I want to thank Brad F., Kathy V. I want to thank uh, Andre. I want to thank uh, Samantha, all of our listeners 
for um, their support and taking time to listen to us during your busy schedule. And uh, have a great evening. Thank you.